Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. I pray everybody is blessed today, hungry and thirsty, which you should be if you're really alive in the Lord. That is one of the features that is a guarantee for those who have been born again been made alive in the spirit. Everybody's always hungry and thirsty for the living bread and the living waters that always have an eternal stream and a wonderful flow. So before I get started, I just want to make a brief mention because there's been people ha that have been reaching out to me saying, Joni, how come you're deleting my comments? Just know this. I am not deleting your comments. That is what YouTube is doing. Unfortunately, YouTube is doing that to a lot of different channels. So just know that once I've approved your comment and it disappears, it's not me. It's so unfortunate because those of you who don't know that um, feelings can get hurt. You know, I've, I've done that before where I've left a comment on someone's uh, thread and then it disappears. Well, I never asked why, but it hurt my feelings. I, you know, so rest assured, if I approve your comment and it disappears, it's not me. But uh, still reach out to me because if you send me your comment, I'll post it myself. So you can still be part of the comment thread. All right, so before I get started, I'm going to pray, and I am going to look to the Lord, as I have been all morning and over the last couple of days, but I want to pray with you so that you can be a part in your own heart to seek the Lord. This is a video, and I can't see you, but it's okay. You can see me, and our hearts are always looking to the Lord. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I want to thank you so much that, Lord, you are raised and seated upon that throne high and lifted up. And the train of your robe is always filling the temple with glory. The train of your robe is filling the temple, our bodies, with your glory by virtue of your Holy Spirit. And today, I thank you for another day to stand and feed. That's what it says about you, Lord. That in the millennial kingdom, it says you will stand and feed. So I offer up this message to you, Lord, from my own heart. And I ask you that you lead me and you guide me. And that you would fill my mouth with good things so everybody's youth would be renewed like an eagle. In your name I pray, Jesus' name, amen. I just love being here. I can't tell you how much I look forward to it. It's one of the happiest things of my life. So I'm going to start today with this scripture I saw in Isaiah 7, verse 11. It's very small, but it says so much. It says, ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. And it's interesting because... Before that, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, I don't have the verse before me, but I always think about it, where God says to Moses, he says, ask me, go ahead, ask me from one end of heaven unto the other. God is always asking us to ask. Uh, Jesus says to us in the New Testament, ask and ye shall receive, right? He's always saying, come, ask. He's always trying to engage us. He's always trying to get us to look in his direction, into God's direction. And 
I think about that often. I was thinking about that the other day. I thought, Lord, that's what you're always doing. You're always trying to get us to look in your direction, to look away from ourselves, to look away from the problems, even though there's problems that surround us. You're always trying to get us to look away from this world because there's nothing in this world that can satisfy our needs and give us joy and satisfaction than those things that be from above. Even the Lord said, he said, a man can re receive nothing except to be given to him from above, from heaven. And that's what John the Baptist said too. He said, a man can receive nothing except to be given to him from above. And so don't we want all things to be given to us by God? After all, doesn't it say all things are yours, whether things in heaven or things on earth, whether things in the future or things present? It says, all things are yours for ye are in Christ and Christ is God. And so why look for the cheap things, right? Why look at the things that will never satisfy? I mean, there's so many things in our hearts and it's okay to have desires and it's okay to long for things. But many times we're want, wanting things or wishing for things and Many of those things are temporary set. They will temporarily satisfy. And God is okay to give us those things. But we can't allow that to take over our hearts in Christ. And keep always remembering that this earth is only a passageway to get to heavenland. You're on your way. Every day is another day in your journey. And so you're going to want everything that God could give you every day that's why i always say pray first thing in the morning before you leave your house even if you're just getting ready and you don't have time just say lord go before me i pray you protect me all day long and bring me home safely because your word says that you command loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night i can't tell you how much those words have been a light a, a uh uh a light into my, a lamp into my path, a light into my path. You know the words, right? I, I think it's Psalm 119, 105. But anyways, don't quote me. You know the, you know the scripture. Thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And so His word is a light in us, always revealing things about Himself. So when I saw this, ask the sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. And God wants us to ask, you know, there was one time I was uh, taking this little class um, to be an assistant to a chaplain and it was at a Catholic hospital, but I thought, well, that's okay. You know, I mean, I'm not there to try to sell anything. I just want to talk to people and share with them. I had no plan. I had no religious goal. I had no personal thing I was doing. I just thought I would just love to talk to people and, and cheer them up and whatever, you know. And um, so I was the only Christian in that whole, I know that there's Catholics there, but they were very like, they knew I was a Christian, so they were kind of afraid of me. And I didn't even say anything. I just sat there, but um, I made sure to only be quiet. And so there was one day, it was 30 hours of it. So I would go every week, like twice a week for like two hours. 
and every week there would be a chaplain from a different part of the hospital. And there was this one chaplain and she was uh, one of the chaplains for the oncology floor. And as she was talking to us about what, you know, just the things, how to speak to them and understand what they're going through and all these things. One of the women there started crying. I mean, she started bawling. I mean, it was kind of shocking where you're, it was kind of like, you know, took, took me and everybody by surprise, you know? And uh, the chaplain said, are you okay? What's wrong? And she said, I have breast cancer and I'm going in for surgery tomorrow. And so at that point, the chaplain said, why don't we all break? Let's just all break. Let's go get a drink of water. Let's just break for a little bit and we'll come back. So I started to feel a sense of something from the Lord in my heart. And so I thought, well, I don't really want to go out there because I was just isolated from everybody. They didn't want to be around me. Honestly, it was that way. And I was friendly to everybody, but it was everybody well, never mind. <laughs> I already made my point. So the point I want to make here is I started to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit welling up within me. And everybody left the room and someone came back in and said, Joni, why are you still in here? And I said, I'm okay. I'll just wait here. Because I would have just walked out there and been alone. And she said, you should go out there. And I thought, Okay, because I felt something in the Lord. I had no idea. And I even scared me a little bit. I thought, mm, I'll just go to get a drink of water and come straight back. So when I left the room, I saw them all huddled around that girl and they were patting her on the back and trying to comfort her. They were very nice people, actually. And so when I got closer, she pointed her finger. She went like this. When I got, because I'm trying to like just get by. And she points her finger at me and says, it's her. And all of a sudden I stopped like, you know, I didn't know what was happening. And everybody's looking at me. And she said, when I got stood there, she said, it's you. And she said, ever since I saw you, there's something different about you. She was saying this with tears. I, could, I didn't understand what was happening. And she said, there's something about your eyes. And I thought to myself, you wouldn't even look at me. Like, seriously, I don't remember her ever looking at me. And she goes, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something about your eyes. Everybody left. They fled. They went back to the room. And so my heart was racing, but I knew it was the Lord. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, Yes, you could pray for me. And so we went over to a little area and I said, give me your hand. And she put her hand in mine. And I, and I said, Lord, thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you that there's nothing too hard for you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I just praised God. I praised him and I thanked him for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then as soon as I said that, I felt this command within me. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I rebuke that cancer and I command it to come out. That's all I said. I said, in Jesus name. And right then you could hear a noise in the background and the door was opening and she goes, I got to go. And she runs. And 
right away, I could feel the enemy saying, look what you just did. Because I know it wasn't me because I was sure about the Lord, about whom I love and serve and his prompting. And so the, uh, they, uh, the chaplain cut the class short. The next morning I woke up and it was right there, the enemy going, you, you blew it and all this stuff. And I like, well, Lord, if I blew it, then I'll take the heat for it. You know, that morning, it was only like seven o'clock in the morning and the phone rang and it was the girl that I had prayed for. She had my number because there was a list of everybody's numbers. And she said, Joni, she said, I just want to tell you something. My heart was racing. Like I thought she was going to yell at me. <laughs> she said, Joni, she said, I was, I woke up this morning and I had, she goes, I want you to know I had an egg sized lump in my breast and it was gone. And, and I just wanted to thank you for praying for me. And I, you know, when God ever does something like that, like that, or anything that he answers our prayers, every one of you can attest to this. You're always amazed and you know, it wasn't you. You never for one second, you are humbled because you know, it was the Lord fully. And I said, well, definitely. She goes, I have doctor appointments today. I have four oncologists I'm going to go see. I said, well, definitely go see them, you know. And then a week later, she said to me, four of my oncologist doctors did a biopsy and uh, it all came out cancer free. And they couldn't believe that the lump disappeared. And, you know, I don't say that to be anything, but to point the way like I always do is to point to Jesus Christ and away from me. Don't look at me. Look at him. He says, ask the assign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the heights above. And one thing I forgot to mention when I, before I, I said, give me your hand. I looked right at her and I said, are you ready to believe the God? Believe God for more than peanuts. She said, yes. I said, let's pray. And see, God was answering to her faith, to what she was hoping for, definitely believing God for. You know, in Luke 137, it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. But yet I would say that God still has perplexing ways. When we look in the book of Acts chapter 12, the first thing we read is that Herod had killed James, but that an angel came and opened up the prison doors and led Peter out to the place, to the little home where they had all been praying for Peter. And I said to myself, they were praying for James too, not just Peter. Why wouldn't they have been? Yet, there are questions asked in wonder. Why the angel wasn't sent to James but only to Peter. And I think it's, I, and I think we have these questions and we're puzzled and we wonder why. And these puzzling questions and temptations to wonder are really actually opportunities for us to receive the blessings of what Jesus says, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And I am adding that right there because I think of what 
John the Baptist saw Jesus do. I mean, we saw what John the Baptist did. He was the one who said, this is, I bear record that this is the son of God. This is him. And he sent his disciples later on who to ask Jesus, are you he that should come or are we to look for another? And it said at that time, Jesus went and he made the blind to see. He caused the deaf ears to hear and the, 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 uh, the dumb to speak and the lame to walk. And then he said to John the Baptist's disciples, he said, you go and tell John the Baptist, blessed is he that believeth in me and, who sh and blessed and, and also who shall not be offended in me. See, I think something happens in people that prayer, we look to God for things and because we do have adversities and we do have afflictions and we are in pain a lot. And we are hoping against all hope to have something happen or for a, a, a myriad of things that are so critical and important to our hearts. And then we experience these long, long, long waits of God. But I say, there's a reason he says, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And those words, they seem to be written across the entire book of Acts. And the Lord Jesus seems to say, these words under his breath, I think in so many ways in the gospel, though he's not saying them really, but he doesn't say, um, it is good if you're not offended with me. He said, blessed are you, they're not, who are not offended in me. And I feel that the longer I keep waiting, because there's things I've been praying for for decades. And I feel that I keep hearing those words as I start to wonder and I become puzzled and look, time is long and things have gone past what I thought so far past. I hear the echo of those words. Blessed is he who shall ever shall not be offended in me. And it's not even an offense where I'm like offended, like, oh, I see. So you're going to answer that prayer for them and them and they get to do this and that and go the here and there. And they get to experience more or less or whatever it is it's not that kind of offense i think that word we take it as like offended like hurt wounded and there's anger involved in it no it's that point where we get so we become weak in our prayers and our prayers start to taper off more and more until there's just these little whispers to the lord and we walk around because it's been so long but we walk around kind of downhearted, you know, because of the length of time. But I think of all the grief of those days of those people that were praying and James died. I believe it's utter, but utterly forgotten. All those that loved James. Because they've been together now for 2000 years in the presence of the Lord. And the one thing that matters most is how they lived through those days when their faith was tried to the uttermost. So it is with us. 
who are longing to see the answers to our prayers for those we love, those are in affliction and bondage, homeless, destitute, hurting. Because, you know, a time is going to come, and how soon is going to come, I can't tell, but soon. Just like they are, all those people during the days of Peter and James, they're together. So what didn't make sense maybe to them and what made them wonder, why not James too? They're not wondering now. And so I believe that what matters is how we live through the days of our waiting. Because I believe that we have been trusted to trust. And how we live through it, that either way, it's always going to be a reward for those that wait for God. Sometimes things work out in this lifetime. And sometimes they don't go as we hoped because we've been asking for so long. But you know what I believe? God gives a peace. You know, we, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. Lord, I pray for the peace that passes all understanding to guard the heart and minds of those whose hearts are shattered. Because there's a kind of pain and a kind of illness and a kind of adversity and a kind of grief no human being can touch. But only Christ can touch that. I love the words of Oswald Chambers who said, either Jesus Christ is a deceiver and Paul is deluded or some extraordinary thing happens to a man who holds on to the love of God when the odds are against God's character, when they're stacked up against God's character. Logic is silenced in the face of every one of these things. I love that he said that because I thought, you know, everything will yell at us. Where is your God now? Look at the years you have spent seeking God, believing God, like Job's wife, cut the cord. You know what? Look at you. You're a mess. The kids are dead. Ever, all of our servants have been captured or killed. Everything we own has been stolen by our enemies. They're covered in sores. Our servants don't even want to come to you when you call them. The people that you knew that stood up and at the gate and reverenced you because of who you were. You were like a nobleman. And now they won't even come when you call. And your best friends talk against you and bring you down and accuse you. Not that she said that, but that's what Job experienced. But you know what it said? That in all this, Job held on to his integrity. It says that in other places that he held fast his integrity. And in this prayer, prayer isn't just a dear Lord Jesus. Prayer is a living, thriving, heart throbbing. Your entire being becomes the prayer. It starts off with God, help me, help her, help him. Until every fiber of your being begins to be knitted together just like paul the apostle says 
that he wants that everybody's hearts would be knit together. That means being knitted together means we become so integrated, woven together. I believe that's what happens in the long prayers. That we become the prayer. And that as we're living, moving, having us being, our hearts are a thick aroma like beaten incense in the temple. They beat that incense to a hard brick so that it burned twice as long and the smell was intensified and the smoke was very thick until you become that offering. Because you see, when you are interceding and praying for something or somebody, intercession is a bloody sacrifice. I mean, when I say blood, blood is the life. In Leviticus 17, 11, it says, life is in the blood. When Jesus died for us, that was the ultimate making intercession for us. And see, God wants to take you further. And if you've been praying longer, it's because he's entrusted you to trust him. And there are many things you don't understand now, but one day you'll know. And in that, becoming that prayer. In a sense, we become the will of God. Because you're being, you're, you are, you are, you're holding on to the love of God when all the odds are stacked up against God's character in this world. Well, like Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, you're speaking like a foolish woman. Shall we not receive the good from the hand of God as well as the bad? And all the darkness that he sat in. Some scholars say that, I don't know how they came up with it, but some excellent scholars said he most likely was like that for two entire years. There's a trust that God has placed in you. And that though everything goes, what seems to go against his character is directly mattering about how you are trusting him. Because you set out on a walk of faith where you walk by sight and never, you walk by faith and never by the sight of this world. I pray the Lord opens up your eyes to see the things that are eternal, the things that last forever. You know, I want to read a little letter, this beautiful little Jewish girl named Lillian Gerenstein. She wrote this letter. And I, I found it, and it's so beautiful. It says, just days before the raid on the children's home in Izu, 11-year-old Lillianne Gerenstein wrote a heart-rending letter to God. The letter written in French was found in the house after the children had been taken away. Now, this little girl knew. She was 11 years old. I read more about her. She knew that her, they were all going to die. She knew that. But her parents taught her about God. And she was, a, listen to her words. I'll let her words speak instead of my own. God, how good you are. And how kind. And if we had to count all you have bestowed upon us that is good and kind, our counting would be without end. 
God, it is you who command. It is you who are justice. It is you who reward the good and punish the evil. God, I can therefore say that I will never forsake you. I will always be mindful of you, even to the last moments of my life. You can be absolutely certain of that. For me, you are something beyond words. So good are you. You may believe me. God, it is thanks to you that I enjoyed a wonderful life before. That I was spoiled. That I had lovely things. Things that others do not have. Parents, my poor parents. And she writes in bold letters, parents, my poor parents protect them even more than myself, so that I may see them as soon as possible. Have them come back one more time. Oh, I can say that I have had such a good mother and such a good father. I have such faith in you that I thank you in advance. She wrote that, that 11-year-old girl wrote that because her lovely parents taught her about God. You see, God was moving in that girl's life. Because only if a child can speak like that, it's because God was with her. And I look at those in such a standing ovation memorial to this little girl. In fact, to all the people of the Holocaust, whom God loves deeply. Remember, the longer you go, the greater the glory. The longer the war, the greater. The super victorious glory will be yours. You'll have a crown upon your head, a laurel wreath at the Bema seat, an eternal one. And however God is going to choose to answer you, hold on to the love of God against all the odds and watch some extraordinary things happen when you do. Remember, you're serving. A wonderful God. And you will see the end that God is faithful and true. It's such a blessing to talk about this. I love it so much because the longer I go and the more I pray in length, the more I feel this wonderful joy not even knowing what the end looks like. But Jesus is the beginning and the ending, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the finisher of our faith, of our life. And he's going to have the last words. And one day he will put off your sackcloth and he will put upon you robes of righteousness, robes of salvation to the end that your glory may sing praise 
unto him and not keep silent. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice and give him praise and offer unto him offerings of thanksgiving. The fruit of your lips is the thanksgiving unto God. Stand upright and keep your eyes pointed in that direction. And don't go by what anything looks like or you'll fall. You'll slip and fall. Keep your eyes on Christ and he will answer you in his way and in his time. And when he does, you'll be so glad at everything you experienced in learning from him and about him and how wonderful and powerful prayer is. Amen. Go with the Lord. Bless you. And remember, you are trusted to trust.